Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. A couple weeks ago, I noticed a headline on NBCNews.com that kind of caught my eye. It said, I needed more quiet in my life. The French art of flaneuring showed me the way. Well, that definitely piqued my curiosity, so I clicked the link, and I learned all about a new book by an author named Erica Owen. The book is called The Art of Flaneuring, How to Wander with Intention and Discover a Better Life. I was instantly intrigued, so I tracked her down and I invited her on the podcast. Now, my guess is you're wondering, what the heck does this word flaneur mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Wikipedia comes to the rescue once again. A flaneur means a stroller, a lounger, a saunterer, or a loafer. Makes me think of my high school basketball coach yelling, quit loafing out there. The whole point of flaneuring is to loaf. The early usage described a literary type from 19th century France, and it carried a set of rich associations. Described a man of leisure, the idler, the urban explorer, the connoisseur of the streets. Well, I'm not rich, and I've never even been to France, but I love this idea of flaneuring. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the author, Erica Owen. She is a Midwest-raised, Brooklyn-based author and self-proclaimed Iceland enthusiast. Not only is she the author of The Art of Flaneuring, but you can find also her writing on Vogue, Travel and Leisure, Bon Appetit, Healthyish Departures, and more. Let's jump into my conversation with Erica Owen. Well, Erica, thanks so much for taking some time to join me today. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for thinking of me. So. You've got this book that has just come out, and I'd never even heard of this word before. And if I say it wrong, my apologies to the <laughs> nation of France. Um, so what is flaneuring, and how did you become interested in it? Sure. So flaneuring, it's one of those words, and I think of it a lot like the word huga, that Scandinavian term of being cozy. Everybody knows what it feels like, but they hear the word. I'm like, what? What is that? What does that mean? What planet does it come from? Um, Flinnering, I think, is very similar. And I think it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, which is one of the first things that drew me to it. Um, For me, flinnering is very much about getting out of my head. It's about walking without intent, not having a destination in mind, which for somebody who is busy, we're all busy. It's hard to do that. So it's kind of a special act to me. It's part of my, if you want to call it, self-care routine. Um, And I was first drawn to it through travel. It was definitely trying to experience places in a different way, in a way that felt genuine to me. And my immediate response when I'm looking for an authentic experience is to become part of the wallpaper and just watch. (laughs) Um, You know, it's a task that doesn't ask much of you. It just asks you to exist in a space. And so when did you actually hear the word? Like, when were you introduced to it? Sure. So there's um, there's a really great book that I knew about before I started working on this with Simon Schuster, uh, Simon and Schuster, and it's called Flanus. And it's about, it's by a woman named Lauren Elkin. Um, it is a wonderful book about her own experience and traveling around the world and dealing, using flanuring is almost a form of therapy for her. Uh, and that's the first time I'd heard about it. And it really opened my mind to all the different things that flinnering could mean to somebody. For me, it was purely, you know, a physical escape, mental escape too, and the fact that you're not asking anything of your brain, but she was using it as a very active way to, you know, get through some tough stuff in her life and also 
you know, journaling about that experience, which I think is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And in your book, you reference obviously her work and some mm-hmm. of the, the history of flanoring, sure. which man, I was really interested yeah. in that. So break it down of where this kind of came from, who was involved with it, and even who wasn't supposed to be involved in it. Sure. So if you look back, there are histories of flanors all by different types of names as well. You know, dandies, I think would also play into that, the English dandies. Um, But the original flanors, turn of the century France, it was a group of men who were seen as highly intellectual. They were going on long walks, gathering observations and, you know, different... um, different elements of what was going on around them to create poetry for party talk, for artwork, for essays, anything they were working on. Um, The tough part about that is usually women were not included in this group. So to call a woman a flaneur was not a nice thing to call that particular woman. Uh, You know, the idea was she was a lady of the night. So yeah. Yeah. So that was something I really tried to address in the book that flaneuring is for everybody Um, you know, it's for men, it's for women. If you're, you know, in a wheelchair, there's a certain way that you can flanor and explore a place in that way as well. Um, you know, driving, if you live in the middle of the Midwest where I grew up and walking down a highway is not good for your health (laughs) or, you know, it's too cold to get out and walk. I think there's a way to do it as well while you're driving. Now, what I think is interesting when we talk about Walking, because we are talking about walking, not that it can't be done, like you said, in a car or in a wheelchair, or, you know, some mm-hmm. other form of transportation, is that in, in my area in Southern California, most people walk for one reason, and that's to walk the dog. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, that's what we yeah. <laughs> just yeah. walk the dog. Sure. Obviously, some people are runners and everything, but I see lots of people in the afternoons, you know, or evenings walking their dog. Um, when you think of um, your I guess your experiences overseas, traveling in an international space. Take me through, like you arrive, you land, you Mm -hmm. go to your Airbnb or hotel or whatever it is. What are your next thoughts in terms of how you're going to explore that area or that city? Sure. So whenever I plan a trip, I used to be just type A. I had to have every hour plan something to do, something to Instagram. I was very much that kind of traveler and I'm very thankful that I've you know, migrated away from that. But a lot of that work comes in, I think ahead of time. And it's what are the important things that I want to do? And I'll plan those for maybe a day. And I leave certain days completely open. So I go to Iceland once a year, I really love that space. And I think it's an amazing country to Flanoran as well. Uh, And to use that as an explicit example here, I would get there, I would choose an area that I've been interested in, whether it's in Reykjavik for a certain reason of people watching, or if it's, you know, in Thingvellir National Park for the sake of really interesting geography, you know, or a pretty rock lava formation, whatever, something that I want to see. So that is my main driver. I'll find something that inspires me usually through the landscape and I'll just go. Um, It's tough because a lot of the times when I'm traveling, it does require a little bit of driving to get there. And that I know is a little bit against the ideology of flanoring, but once you get there, just make a very clear intent to not think about which direction you're going in. Um, granted, it depends where you are, and some safety plays into that. There are a lot of really deep crevices and you know ridges in Iceland that you don't want to be falling down. So sure, sure. <laughs> I love flanoring with a friend as well, and I think it's a really fun thing to do to experience a place with someone you love without any kind of agenda on your mind. So. Um, 
you know, I give myself an afternoon and when I start to get hungry, you know, I, I'll head back to the car, I'll head back to a spot that looked particularly enticing on my walk and I'll just spend some time thinking about what I just saw. I usually don't write about it, which is kind of interesting. And considering I do so much writing, um, journaling about my flinnering is not usually a thing I do. But you talk about that in the book, though, that, that yeah. a lot of you suggest that that's a possibility. Yeah. I have a lot the, of friends who do it and love it, but uh, it just says it doesn't stick with me all the time. It has to be the right mood. <laughs> yeah. This word sounds so um, upscale, so rich, so lavish, so luxurious. Like, what are you doing today, honey? I'm going to go flanoring. It's like, what? Yeah. Just like, do you get pushback on that or does it like, no, this is kind of, you know, hoity toity kind of thing. It's become my dad's new favorite word. He loves to drop it in whenever he can on phone conversations. <laughs> um, but I haven't had any pushback in terms of be, of it being hoity toity. I agree with you. It is a very fancy word. Um, I think, and I would argue we were talking a little bit about the word huga too. That's one, well, that's more of a silly sounding word versus fancy, but it's one that catches people's attention. A lot of people have mentioned that they've heard of it before, but had no idea what it is and are a little delighted when I explain it. And they realize it's something that they've probably been doing most of their life. Uh, I think that the level of how relatable it is once they give me a chance to explain helps. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about the benefits. You sure. mentioned these a little bit, but I want to be explicit mm-hmm. about what are some of the benefits here. Yeah. So uh, again, I think it really depends on the person. For me personally, and that's what I can really speak to, is I find that the moment I decide to take a walk, take you know, go on a flannering session, um, it's it's not like a weight is off my shoulders, but I'm usually sitting at my desk with my shoulders around my ears, you know, that kind of level. It just drops. Everything drops a little bit. Uh, it's for me, just giving myself the the approval to go do something that is good for my brain and not necessarily productive for much else in today's working world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not sending an email. It's not texting someone back. It's just taking me time. Um, so I think that's a really important thing to have in your day-to-day. And I've spoken with a couple of people in the book, too, who um, chatted about the benefits of meditation and walking meditation specifically. And I think that this does play into that. Um, I've worked through many issues on my flanors, you know, just whatever's happening in life, work through a tough work issue. It's not necessarily intending to head one direction physically, but it is working through something in my brain and the different mm-hmm. scenarios. And there's always a physical aspect of it as well. I think walking is amazing if you can do it. Um, you know, if you have the time to do it, the ability to do it, it's good to just get outside and have some fresh air. Mm-hmm. I loved all the different perspectives that you interwove in the book in terms of you yeah. interviewing people that you know that you knew in your own life and others yeah. that you know that what their experience was that was that was very fun to hear from others before we continue the conversation I want to ask you a quick favor if you enjoy the inspiration rising podcast would you be willing to share it with a friend one of the primary ways that people learn about podcasts is by hearing about it from someone they trust so if you're inspired motivated and empowered by what you hear on the show Tell a friend to open up their Apple or podcast app, even Stitcher or Spotify. Search for Inspiration Rising and click subscribe. You'll be helping your friend and helping us spread inspiration to more and more people. Let's say that I want to get started with this. Maybe mm-hmm. I've done it a little bit my my whole life. I'm not going on an international trip anytime soon. Sure. How, how can I 
test the waters? How can I jump in here? Yeah. Uh, when I first moved to New York, and I think it does help when you're in a new city, although I will argue that whenever I travel back to uh, Wisconsin, where my parents live, I rediscover my hometown in all kinds of ways just from walking around. It is, it's so different to experience a place in person, feeling the cold air on your face, smelling a certain smell in a certain part of town versus being in your car, listening oh. to you know music that just transports you somewhere else. It is so and, different. Just, just to interrupt here real quick. My, yeah. I went with my um, wife and daughter to walk our dog last mm-hmm. Saturday. Sure. And our daughter doesn't usually join us. She's 20 and uh, she's at college. And so she joined us and she said, wow, I never even noticed all of these things. We were pointing out all these things right. that, and it's the streets that we drive every single day sure. from mm-hmm. the flowers to the dogs, to the, um, you know, the fences. I mean, it's not like revolutionary things. No but they're very interesting. Oh, flowers. That is something I notice every time I walk, even in my neighborhood, just down the street that I live on, uh, how they change my neighbor. I love my neighbors in the building next to us, but they cannot keep a plant alive. So I love (laughs) seeing the different plants that they, you know, incorporate into their stoop area. It's, it's pretty fun. I have to ask what kind of dog do you have? I love dogs. Well, our dog, uh, her name is Lexi, Lexi. um, officially Lexington, but my family said too much. Um, and she is 12 years old and she's, I think she's like half terrier, half dachshund uh, sure. and um, uh, at Lexington Trotter on Instagram. Oh. Uh, we don't post very often, but Love it. Uh, yeah, no, she's, she's great. Yeah. I think dog walking is an incredible way to Flanor as well. Do you have a dog? Um, I don't, but I grew up with a border collie black lab mix we loved named Spot. He was wonderful. He was hard to walk because if you gave him a little bit of leeway, he would just, he would bolt. And he was strong. So I don't yeah. know if I would ever go Flanoring with Spot if he were still around, to be honest. <laughs> the problem is dogs love to Flanor. That's the problem. <laughs> and if you want to let them take the reins, that's honestly a great way to start. Uh, and the one thing that people, my friends have told me is, I can't get my mind to shut off. I can't tell myself not to choose where I'm going, which is so hard. And I respect that. And I have a lot of trouble with that, depending on the day. And I think one thing that I chat about in the book, and it's potentially one of my favorite elements, is the idea of Flanorian games. Um, Matt Sosin, who I spoke to, and he's quoted in the book, introduced this idea to me. And it's very simple. It's walking around and setting maybe one rule to keep your brain busy. So if I see someone in a red jacket, I'm going to take a left turn. And you, that's, that's it. You just go around. It's definitely better done in a cityscape as opposed to out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but yeah, I might, I I might be walking forever that. if I ever try to wait for somebody <laughs> in a red jacket. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So maybe, you know, customize it to your location. But uh, yeah, that's something that I'll pull out if I find myself, you know, I'll walk down a street and be like, oh, I remember this amazing cafe down this way. Maybe I should stop by. I'm like, no, don't do that. Um, pick a color jacket and you're just going to follow, you know, that color wherever you see it, or even just in general, a color. I think that's a good way to start, especially for people who aren't traveling anytime soon. I think it's something anybody can do. It's not just an international activity by any means. Um, As I was mentioning, when I first moved to New York, I had no money as many other people who first moved to New York. So I would put $20 in my pocket and I would get off the train somewhere in a neighborhood I had never been. And I would have enough for lunch and maybe something else. And I would just wander and explore. And that has brought a whole new depth to the city for me. And I think I would have left years ago had I not done something like that. Wow. Wow. 
One of the things in the book that really intrigued me is your expansion of the concept of flanoring beyond just physical walking. Mm -hmm. Um, You talked about in the workplace, via computer, um, some other ways. Would you mind expanding that concept for us? So we've got the kind of walking, you know, not aimlessly, but how would you, what's the, like a short definition, would you say walking with intention or? I would say walking without intent. Without intent. There we go. Yeah, that's, or letting the route take you somewhere. That's how I've described it to other people. Just, yeah, yeah, giving into a route as opposed to planning it yourself. Sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know why this comes to my mind, but when I was growing up, malls were a thing. Malls are not really, you know, now, but um, back in the 80s, 90s. And my dad, we would go to the mall and my dad would be like, stay to the right. We got to stay to the right. You just stay to the right the whole way. <laughs> and that you is could, kind of funny. You could not cross over to the other side, mm-hmm. you know, as a family. It was like, no, we're just going to stay to the right and get the whole way. I've got that ingrained in my head, Erica. Stay to the right. That actually, yeah, that sounds about right to me as well. Janesville Mall, where I, that's the closest mall we had to me growing up in my family. It also reminds me, <laughs> you say stay to the right, and I have this automatic, traumatic memory of being on the wrong side of an escalator in New York City when people are trying to get by. Because they will just push you. They'll push you around if you're standing, you know, on the left-hand side and they need to get down or up. So, yeah, yeah. I feel you. <laughs> All right. So mm-hmm. let's expand this idea of flanoring for people beyond just walking. What are some of the other okay. ways that we can explore without intent? Yeah. So I think there's a chapter all about flanoring at work. And that was the hardest chapter that I had to work on just because flanoring outside was so familiar to me getting outside, walking around, walking on the weekends, you know, walking with friends. That was something I knew very well. But, and as I was writing this, you know, having a full-time job and working on this book, it's funny and counterintuitive how much stress there was going on for a book that is supposed to be all about getting rid of some stress. Yeah, And it forced me to figure out different ways to act on that flinnering process promise while I was doing my daily work. So one that I really love and I do almost every day is um, I call it cyber flanoring and it's Google Earth based. So picking a location, you know, and usually I'll choose different areas of Scandinavia just because I have really big interest in the geography there. Um, But can't be anywhere, you know, just drop a pin, whatever, somewhere on the planet and zoom in to the Google Earth view and just take a look at what's around, you know, take 10, 15 minutes. I promise it will take you out of whatever headspace to a small extent, to a big extent, help you clear a little bit. Um, I think that's that's been a really powerful one that I've practiced and learned about. Um, and it was actually the suggestion of a friend who was like, oh, do you ever spend time on Google Earth? And it was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, wait a second. That's a great way to explore the world without even going outside, you know, if it's yeah. the middle of winter. And for people who haven't done that, that's not just an overhead view. You can actually go onto the street view and literally walk the streets of the world. Paris, Hong Kong, wherever you want to go. It's amazing. Um, And sometimes I do like to go to places I've already been just to start off. Um, Maybe it's a street in Reykjavik, maybe it's, you know, somewhere in Lisbon, but then you'll find yourself kind of zooming out and piecing together. Oh, I know where this is, but what is over here? What is here? You know, and it's, it's, I feel like it's a really good brain activity. It's very creative. Um, so it's been an important part of that. And the one I mentioned earlier too, that was interesting was, um, flanoring while you're driving. It sounds dangerous because the whole idea is that you don't have a route in mind and you're just giving in 
which is the exact opposite of what you should be doing while you're driving. But growing up in the Midwest, um, we did a lot of Sunday drives. You know, Proper drive. Yeah, yeah. Especially when it was too hot to do anything else. My dad would entice us with a dollar ice cream cones from McDonald's, and then we would just go on a drive while we ate that ice cream. And it's something that I've been doing and I didn't realize that not everyone really does this. Whenever I go back home, I'll ask to borrow the car, which is a thing I have to do now again, which is so funny to me. I feel like I'm 16. And I'll take a drive around the lake that we live near. And the lake is just a destination. It's like go down a road I've never been down. You know, whatever it may be, whatever looks interesting. Um, sometimes there are new roads, which is always fun to explore. And that I see as a way of learning as well. You're expanding your mind map of a place that you're very familiar with, but you're experiencing it in a different way. Maybe it's the light of the day is different than the last time you remember, or maybe the last time you were there, you were 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's been, it's been a really beautiful way to rediscover a special place. That's pretty much how I drive. And that's yeah. why my <laughs> wife drives everywhere. Like if mm-hmm. we go somewhere, she's the one driving because she, yeah. She does not want us to take forever to get there. Cause I'm like, I think it's over here. We'll (laughs) go this direction. You know? Yeah. Yeah. My boyfriend is very similar. He's a photographer and he loves taking candid shots, which I support. But if we're trying to get to a certain place by a certain time, it's not going to, he also picked up Ikebana, the Japanese art of floral arrangement, which I love, but now he likes to stop and look at different plants that he could potentially take a branch from, which I also support, but you know, I just stand back and I watch it happen. I'm like, this is, this is flanoring. You are the ultimate flanor. <laughs> yeah. And we're late. Hurry up. Yeah. yeah. Quit flanoring. Mm-hmm. That's pretty funny. You say that yeah. out in public kind of loud. Yeah. <laughs> so if I, and I am a pretty focused driven person. And mm-hmm. so a lot of what you're talking about feels like a total waste of time. I mean, mm-hmm. a total waste of time. What, I mean, why am I doing this? You know, um, talk, talk me into it. If I'm a type A person, like you've already given me some great benefits, but I I don't know. I get those benefits by going to get a massage or going to meditate or, you know, whatever. Talk, talk me into wandering aimlessly. Sure. So you mentioned getting a massage and, you know, going to meditate. I think this is actually the easiest possible way. And I mentioned it's a part of my self-care routine. And I think it is a part of many other people's, whether, you know, you want to call it that or something else. It's, you know, it's free. It's a free thing to do. It's friendly for all budgets, which I really, truly do love. Um, you know, I do believe that anybody can do it. It's tough when you look at the experience of me versus the experience of maybe a young black woman of, you know, who has a similar, who wants to have a similar intent of going out and walk. It's a different type of thing that you have to approach in terms of safety. But, you know, anybody can be doing this. It's budget friendly. Um, It is a waste of time, but I think that there's some beauty in that with how productive everybody is nowadays and how connected we are. Our eyes are glued to screens, which... I feel the effect of that. Um, I know that I stare at screens more than others probably do, but I talk to my parents and they also feel the effect of that. So I think that just getting outside and re-experiencing a familiar space and adding depth to your experience and how you interact and how you appreciate the different things in your life, you could definitely argue that it is a waste of time. But I think after doing it for a month or just even a couple of weeks, just noticing the first time that something looks a little bit different than you remembered is pretty delightful. 
And I would add that um, kids are natural flaneurs. Like they just oh, yeah. explore. Mm-hmm. My kids are older now, so they're not as much into that. But um, we will sometimes take a trip to Los Angeles and it's like, oh, we're going to just go take pictures or explore or find a restaurant or, you know, we have no destination necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's just driving and exploring and seeing things that we've never seen before. But kids have a natural tendency to do that. And I think if we allowed our kids to kind of lead the way in the same way mm-hmm. that you even talked about our pets leading the way, mm-hmm. you know, there's this natural exploration mm-hmm. and curiosity and really a lot of what you're talking about too is curiosity. It's cultivating yeah. a curiosity that ultimately I think would benefit us in the workplace mm-hmm. it benefits. It also, it also expands my mind to other cultures or ways that people live because I'll walk by someone's house or drive by. And if I'm noticing, I'm like, Oh, interesting. Look at how they've got that. I would never do that. But that's like, if I come in from a place of non-judgment, right. Just of a place yeah. of curiosity, a place of yeah. seeking to understand without ever really talking to them, but just seeing it. It seems like that curiosity, it creates space in my brain. It creates curiosity that I can bring back into my work to not feel like, okay, um, I've always done it this way. Like mm-hmm. I've always thought about this thing this way. I've always done this task this way. I've always connected with this person this way. Is it possible that, you know, this uh, wondering, W-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-G, mm-hmm. right? Creates space for more curiosity in the workplace. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. Of course, yeah. I There are so many times and I find myself taking just laps around the building here at work and staring out the window or just standing in front of a window and watching people pass below um, because I've had to leave my desk because I'm frustrated with something and I come back and I can solve it or figure it out or create a better presentation or something around those lines just from taking a quick, quick little break. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed the book. I really did. And I thought I'm it glad. was so fascinating how mm-hmm. it expanded my mindset of something that it's pretty simple, right? It's a pretty simple mm-hmm. concept, but it really expanded it to encourage me to think about it in a more holistic way. So mm-hmm. um, I do want to encourage people, you should get the book and it's on Kindle. Is it on audiobook yet? Maybe? Yes, it is. Yeah. It should be available through Amazon, I believe. Yeah. Fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Art of Flanoring, How to Wonder with Intention and Discover a Better Life. And you write all over the place too, like mm. other places you write. And so if people want to read your articles, what's the best way for them to kind of go and check those out? Sure. Yeah. I'm always promoting them on my Instagram, which um, is just Erica Ray Owen, Erica with a K. It's E-R-I-K-A-R-A-E-O-W-E-N. Um, but also my personal website, which is just my full name.com has a link as well with all of those. It's a a lot of Iceland stories. So. A lot of Iceland <laughs> stories. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Good. Well, we'll obviously have all of that in the show notes. So Erica, it's so great to meet you. Do you have another book in the works? Any thoughts? Not that you have to, but you have anything coming? Yeah, there are actually, there are two things I'm working on. There's one more that I'm working on with Simon and Schuster that should be out. I'd say like fall 2021. That's around, um, you know, it's called Lawbreaking Ladies is the working title. And it's biographies of various rebellious women. So female pirates, female mafia leaders, crime lords, that kind of thing. Just very straightforward biographies and illustrations. It's pretty fun so far. So Female flamers. Yeah. 
Yeah, there might be some of those in there. I haven't come across any yet, but I'm sure. <laughs> could be you. You could, could write about me. yourself then. Could be me. Yeah. The prerequisite is that they have to have been arrested. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, at some point. We could arrange that somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, could, I could call you in. We've got yeah, a shady character it? walking down 19th Street. <laughs> wasn't Jane Fonda. She was just arrested, right? You can't be too, can't be too hard. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Eric. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You can find a link to The Art of Flanoring in our show notes by swiping up on your phone now or head on over to our website, insporising.com. All right, until next time, have a wonderful week. <laughs>